welcome to the first episode of the Mint Gold Dust podcast. Today, we'll be discussing our NFT marketplace platform, Mint Gold Dust. On the surface, Mint Gold Dust is an NFT marketplace for the world's finest digital art, but that is really only the tip of the iceberg, and there are many more possibilities and capabilities that are built into this platform. And we'll get to those later on in this episode. On the episode today are the three collaborators and blockchain innovators who are making this platform a reality. Founder and CEO, Kelly Lavalley Hunt, digital gallerist and curator, Eleanor Britzi, and developer, Lewis Parker. But first, for the uninitiated among us, let's take a Cliff's Notes tour on what is blockchain. In the world of tech, and increasingly the world at large, blockchain is the new paradigm-shifting kid on the block. Blockchain made its debut back in 2009 when an anonymous white paper, written by the still anonymous Satoshi Nakamoto, outlined the concept for a groundbreaking redefinition of currency and value. Nakamoto's theoretical currency was completely digital and unregulated by any central bank or governing body a total philosophical break from the traditional usage and deployment of currency. Instead, this new currency would be backed by the raw power of a conceptual elite, a public and completely transparent ledger of transactions and data, a universal, unchangeable, and permanent record that would be available to anyone and everyone at any time, anyone who wanted it, and would exist on thousands of computers all working together to keep the system running. The concept was, and still is, revolutionary, and once the genie was out of the bottle, there was no going back. Other out-of-the-box thinkers began innovating on Nakamoto's groundwork. Because blockchain's initial use case was digital currency, initial innovations began as different cryptocurrencies, but the possibilities quickly grew from there. There is more to this history, which I encourage you to find out about on your own, but we do have to move on. So let's fast forward to the present day, and the rise of NFTs or non-fungible tokens. A non-fungible token establishes ownership and especially exclusivity of digital assets. Platforms have risen to meet the demand for these digital assets, whether it's sports collectibles, fractionalized ownership of much more valuable assets or digital fine art. So as I mentioned earlier in this episode, we will be discussing our NFT platform but first, I wanted to take a look at how the three collaborators of Mint Gold Dust, Kelly Lavalley Hunt, Eleanor Britzi, and Lewis Parker, found their own ways into the blockchain world. So I was looking for something new. I just didn't know what. This is Eleanor Britzi, Mint Gold Dust's head of product and curator, who is based in Milan. Uh, but when I left China, I, I was like, I don't want to. I was inside this contemporary art world and I knew that I couldn't get out there because now like it's my career, but I don't want to work in any galleries or museums or I don't know what to do. I'm just looking for something different. And I landed to New York because uh, I just wanted to go there. I was sure that I would um, find something. And yeah, so then my roommate, he, he just proposed me, you know, there is this conference. They talk about like, if you want to keep being cutting edge, you should go there. And so I just went. And this was after two weeks uh, that I, I landed in New York and I went to this conference um, in Manhattan and Louis was one of the speakers. 
and many others. And um, I was a bit shocked at the beginning, just needed time to digest because you like imagine that you arrive there and everything that you have been learning for your entire life is just um, is just destroyed. Like not not middleman anymore, no galleries, no banks, not anything. So I was like, just wait. I need to, I really need to digest this. But then um, it, we just had a dinner all together after the, after the conference. And, you know, like, like the, at least the, the, the contact with all these people made it really easy for me to, to understand what was going on. Actually, I was sitting next, next to Louis and he was, um, and he had this little uh, paper book with uh, this uh, little frog. Uh, and he was talking about Pepe. And, and then I was like, okay, this, this, this makes sense. At this blockchain conference at the National Arts Club of Manhattan, Eleonora had met Lewis Parker, who's a self-taught blockchain developer. I was just like introduced to it by a friend, you know, kind of just started like following up like people in the space and like the, you know, some of the tech and kind of being like an enthusiast about about that side of things. I think where it like came together with art was around like, you know, 2017. Like I was shown the, yeah, the Rare Pepe blockchain project, which was an interesting um, combination of theoretical and abstract like payment layer of Bitcoin with, um, you know, this artistic use case also like meme art, right? So kind of, uh, you know, understood it like for, for that initially. And I was like, oh, this is pretty funny. So, um, but then, yeah, I saw people actually like selling their rare Pepe's, you know, even for like, you know, $5 or something, but like people would buy them. And it just kind of clicked to me that like, huh, like, even even at these like very small scales, like people find this valuable and like, you know, even it's not even so much that people were making it to making rare Pepe's to like make um, money from it. But it was, I think even the small feedback loop of like, you know, sell a Pepe for like $5 or whatever was enough to keep people like kind of productively creating them and like sharing them in a community. And last but not least is founder and CEO of Mint Goldust, Kelly Lavalley Hunt. Kelly had a long career in tech before ever coming into contact with blockchain. And in 2018, Forbes recognized her as an innovator in the blockchain field. I mean, my background is in software. Um, I started coding when I first um, started working um, in software. And then, um, and I realized that that is I like really working with people. I like talking to people um, more than I liked coding. And that was about 20 years ago. Um, and then w- working in software, I realized there's a whole system, there's a whole network out there. Um, and, but, but my, my, my passion was art. I remember when I went for a software job um, I told the guy, I, I, I made a mistake and I told him that I paint and um, I sell my paintings and he was like, oh, well, 
you know, you can't do both. And um, which I, I was like, oh, okay. And anyway, it was really, really weird. So I had to hide the fact that I sold my art and I, I sold paintings. Um, but th- that was kind of my first introduction to corporate world. So leading a double life, building her career in software and working on her art, Kelly eventually came across both data centers and Bitcoin. These experiences would lead her to connections that would have long-lasting implications. I joined Block Apps as an investor and as head of sales because um, I saw blockchain as an enterprise play, a corporate play, really, because of the protocols. Um, and at Block Apps, I met John and Charlie Crane, and um, and they were really. Um, a breath of fresh air for me, you know, working in corporate for so many years and really building for um, corporates and really building to, to, to build for the bigger networks and the masses and the enterprise. And um, I realized that you can do other things and it too will be beautiful in its own way. And I, and I learned that from, from John, really, he told me about his vision of, of building something to do with art. I said, well, whatever you do, I want to, I want to contribute. I want to be a part of that. That to me is, that to me would be the essence of my life, you know, taking art and and technology and bringing it together and working with beautiful people. Fast forward, they invited me to the Rare Arts Festival, um, Rare AF in Brooklyn. And I think that was 2018 uh, where, 19? Was it 18 or 19? 19. Uh, 19. And, um, and I met Eleonora and Lewis, and I, for the first time, set eyes on the Rare Pepe book and, right. and the Rare Pepe socks. <laughs> and, right. So, so, so I, I just want to back up because the way you told this to me initially just – this is how I believe every movement should start. You said it was just in a warehouse, only the diehard true believers were there and people are just bidding on art. It was unminted, correct? The piece you were bidding on was not even minted. So Eleanor, you were the curator for the event? Or? No, I was working. It was a decentralized team. We were all working mm-hmm. together to organize this rare AF. Um, I was the curator of the auction. So we organized this auction with Lewis. He was the auctioneer. And I was, the, I was like, I really want to present the art pieces to Nerdland. You know, they've probably never done that. But I want to talk about the art pieces before auctioning them. Because I, um, I was at a Thero Summit. Uh, the same month, so May 2019, and there was this auction, and nobody was explaining anything, art pieces, in one second, pop, 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 the auction was over, nobody seemed to understand anything, and so I was like, I want to do a curated uh, auction, and so that's what we were doing there, uh, so I would just uh, introduce the pieces, and Louis would auction the pieces, and Kelly was there, this is when we met. Right. Right. So then, Kelly, you were telling me you bought a piece 
Well, you're also in the back in a wheelchair. You had like no, some I, injury, right? I, thank goodness I wasn't in a wheelchair, but um, <laughs> oh, I thought the, that's what the day before. Let's just say for the story you were. <laughs> well, I was. Um, I had a crutch, but I didn't bring the crutch inside because oh, okay. I didn't want people to think that there was anything wrong with me. But by me limping around, everybody could tell that there was something definitely wrong with my ankle. And um, and I, but I the or day before I was on crutches. Um, and so I was like, I, I'm, I was determined to go to this event and I meet these two wonderful people and listen to them speak. And so it was almost as though that's exactly where I was supposed to be, even though I was in, you know, a lot of pain walking up and down the stairs and, right. and listening to speakers. But the belief carried you forward. Um so, and then at this point, I mean, you guys didn't know each other yet. It was just, you were bidding, they were up front. And then you, what you had told me before is you, uh, I believe his name is Vaporware, correct? You bid on a piece. It's a group right? called Vaporware. Oh, Vaporware. Okay. Group. No. Group. Okay. So. No. <laughs> no. It's Let's a, get the story straight. Well, the, it's on Telegram. How would you call it? Vaporwave? And it's an art movement. Vaporwave. And ah. I know it. And I know. And I know. Oh, it's a music movement too. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Music okay. and then visual art that I got very passionate yeah. about. And I was introduced to it by Lewis. And so when we were picking the pieces for the, for the auction, I was like, I really want to include something, you know, like some art pieces, uh, vaporwave art pieces. And so I reached out to this. Italian vaporwave uh, movement group on Telegram, and we did a selection, and we selected Perfect. this artist. Yeah, sorry, that I have the name wrong. <laughs> My fatigue. Um, vaporwave, yes, obviously. And um, when I I got when I was bidding. Um, my son was with me and he was, he, there were a couple of pieces where he would go crazy. He wanted the socks and he wanted the book and he, there were some really beautiful pieces. I think, I can't remember which one, there was one that went for like $20,000. Um, and, and I stopped bidding it. Like, I can't remember what, what it was. I stopped bidding and then he was like, come on. And, and then it, Lewis had created these really cool options for auctioning. So there's all types of uh, ways to, to auction. Lewis, do you want to talk about that? Because you're much more, uh, <laughs> you're better at explaining. Yeah, well, I, around then, you know, it was like interesting to me, um, like kind of the blockchain gamification a la like Ethereum, right? Um, so like an auction is a type of like game environment. I think, you know, like, Guys like uh, like Simone de la Rouvier have made like really interesting kind of um, like you know thought experiments and even like practical implementations of some of these uh, like uh, like more just like game, applying interesting game theoretic principles to blockchain to create some new type of like system, right? So I was thinking like, hmm, how could I make something interesting? You know, it's, we're not on the blockchain, but like it's a live auction, so it's somewhat it's like similar dynamic. Um, I remember, like one of them for the socks was like you know, so each sock was like priced kind of along a 
you know, uh, a non, you know, like a in-person bonding curve, right? So like each stock, there's 12 stocks and each one was priced like slightly more than the last. And it's like whoever yelled first would get like a, at the lower price level. And then we'd move to the next one and whoever yelled first would get that one. And then like, that's amazing. The person who got, the person who bid the, the last person who bid, if no one bid after them, then the last person would get all the remaining ones and like some bonus thing, right? So there's like an incentive to be the last person, you know, at the highest, you know, um, price level that people would agree to. Yeah, I think maybe there are like, you know, a few left when the highest bid was outstanding. So that person got like a few stocks and like the bonus thing. There's another one, which is kind of cruel, um, where like the first place bidder would, it's something like the second place bidder would like pay and the first place bidder like it wouldn't pay or like would pay like half as much. But it was like really like twisty. I, I wound up not, you know, um, I, I didn't, info, I think John actually, John Crane actually won that one. But yeah, I didn't like, you know, ask them, for, you know, there's no money exchanged for that afterwards because I really, you know, it was kind of like cruel. But I thought that it was a fun experiment, you know, to see what would happen. The auction system was brilliant. Um, I just wasn't clever enough to work it out quick enough. <laughs> to really win anything. Um, uh, but the straight auction was easy for me to win something. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, I was delighted by this and delighted by the people who were there and coordinating it all. And, um, and I think that, that that energy kind of pushed me to really um, think about building a platform Right. I was going to say, because this segues natural into the next portion. So at this point, you guys uh, knew of each other. You were in the same room, but didn't know each other. So you had been on a piece by someone in the Vaporwave group. And then maybe and talk about how you, uh, the montage of tracking them down to actually try and pay the guy. I bid for this piece and I really liked it. Um, it's a computer falling into the sea, like an old, you know, um, original Macintosh, I guess, but falling into the sea, or maybe it's a PC, but, um, and it was really a cool piece. And so I didn't pay, I thought I paid in cash at the event, but obviously I didn't pay in cash. And so then I got an email saying, Hey, this is the address you need to pay. And this is how much, I think it was like $220 or something like that. 200. Yeah. $220. So um, I missed the email. And then a few years later, somebody asked me, do you have any NFTs? And I said, yeah, I have a few. Um, one of my first one is this cool Vaporwave. And I said, wait, Vaporware again. Vaporwave um, picture, but I don't know the artist's name, but I'll show it to you. And then I was like, wait a minute, where is this? So <laughs> I was looking for it and I couldn't find it. So it turned out that the piece, because I had never paid for it, the piece hadn't been minted. And, and so then I had this piece and I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't pay, you know, I'm all about paying artists, you know, making sure the artists get paid. And, 
And then I, I couldn't imagine that this artist who had put his artwork up for, for sale at this auction and not being from Brooklyn or in Brooklyn and not at the event, I can't imagine that he's out there thinking that his art wasn't appreciated. And I was like, I have to find this artist. I have to figure out how to pay him. And Eleanor, what did you... <laughs> I was like, forget about it. We were all very young. This was organized. He was and this and that. I cannot find him because he deleted himself from Telegram after sending me a few messages. Like, where is my boy? Like, just you know, we start fresh. And she's like, no, 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 no. I want my vaporwave piece, and I want to pay the artist. So I didn't know you find him yourself. Like, you went to the group. And he changed his name, but then he, he, yeah, you yeah. guys pound each other in that group. And so you yeah. can finally pay him. I Googled. But he was away. depressed from that, from not getting paid, <laughs> right? He, like he was trying to distance himself because he didn't get paid for his art. Well, that's what I was like. I thought like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine what this guy's thinking. Like I can't even auction a piece off right. for $220. My, my, my art, you know, taking it really personally. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine this poor guy's like dropped off of all of social media. He's like to hell with you guys. You know, that was this idea I had in my head. And I was like determined to make sure that this person got paid and, and I was going to find this person. So I Googled vaporwave and I found some information, like little tidbits of information. And somehow I found this telegram and I, I asked to be invited to this telegram page. So I said, can anybody help me find? And I had a picture of this piece. And I said, it was like a, a screenshot or a picture. I can't remember what it was. And I posted it. And I said, can anybody help me find the artist who created this? Has anybody seen this artist? And so... And then, and then it was like, everybody was like, oh, what are you, is this a scam? You know, like, how do you have this art? You know, who are you? You know, it's like Perfect. all these questions. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I really just want to pay this artist. And they were like, sure you do. <laughs> like, and I was like, what has this guy done to like, for have, to have all these people protect him? You know, like what, you know, asking me questions like, why do you want him? You know, like yeah. I wasn't asking for his home address. I was asking just to get in contact with him. Um, right. And then, and so I, I contacted Eleonora again. I was like, I don't know what to do about this. <laughs> and Eleonora was like, yeah, I don't know either. Anyway, we started chatting about our history and living in Beijing. I studied Mandarin in Beijing and I went to the 798 district in 2007 and um, I just spent a lot of time there. That's where my soul told me to go and spend time. And even though I was there to learn Mandarin and work on some projects there um, in the data center space, I was drawn to the 798 district. And Eleonora was like, well, actually. And then she told me about Sir Ai Weiwei. Uh, <laughs> I should call him Sir. Um, but I, working with Ai Weiwei and working in, you know, in the art community for so many years, and I was just inspired. I was really inspired. Um, right, and then, and, so, sorry, and then I, And then we started talking, um, figuring out how, like, uh, maybe I should talk to Lewis and maybe Lewis knows the vaporwave guy. And, you know, it just went back to trying to find this chap that did this picture um, and trying to pay him. And then did I call you Lewis or? 
I don't remember if we ever like found like we found the guy. I don't know if he like deleted his account or like something happened or he just like wasn't interested anymore. Because they didn't know the blockchain. None of them knew about the blockchain. We the reached out to them. We were yeah, we were like, you know, we want to mean this, what does it mean? We want to tokenize it. What is that? Oh really? You tokenize it and I'm getting paid. So they didn't know about it and so they just drop the whole thing like yeah okay whatever so so were you able to actually pay him eventually yes, sir. did you find this guy no this- i didn't find him yeah. i found one of his friends of a friend and his friend of a friend put me in contact with a friend of his and then that person said i know who leonardo i think his name is leonardo i know who he actually he didn't tell me his name he told me his initials and then when i minted when when we when I when I paid him, I had to Venmo him because he wouldn't give me his wallet address, and so I had to Venmo him. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I hope this is going to the right person." But he gave me his name, and then the name matched up with with what Eleanor's story was uh, about this person. And, you know, and then finally I paid him and then I had to go back to the group and say, look, I've paid him. Thank you all for helping me. And they were like, oh, would you like to pay me too? You know, maybe I'm the, and I'm like, oh my God. Right. What'd you do? I was like, oh my gosh, I might've paid the wrong person, but. And after that, you decided you never want to be on Telegram again to try and pay someone. (laughs) That was a mess. That must be a better way to do it. Especially if they drop off all of social media. Um, but exactly. when Lewis, Lewis and I were talking, I mean, the the everything that Lewis had been working on, um, I was just inspired by. And he happened to be, you know, traveling throughout the world and ended up in in um, New York and and New Jersey. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. I'm the luckiest person to you know, he's here. And, and I just, yeah. And so we sat and talked and I was like, so what do you want to do? You know, like what's happening? (laughs) So Lewis, what, what were you thinking at that, at that point? You know, I had started working at this um, developer contracting company uh, and, you know, kind of work on a bunch of different projects. Um, So, you know, it'd be cool to like, work on a project where there's some more like input kind of in the planning and, and vision stage. And also like something where I already had some like, you know, personal interest in like crypto art, right. And like some, you know, like niche knowledge about a niche of that world of crypto art. Um, yeah, it seems like, you know, it, it, it all kind of came together pretty nice pretty nicely. Right. So that brings us back to where we start all this and how all of your backgrounds combine to create this platform. Uh, so Kelly, maybe you want to talk a little bit about how, what you see for the platform? Yeah. Um, I, when I, when I met with Eleonora and talked with her about trying to track down this, um, very depressed artist who went off of social media. Um, and then when I met with Lewis, I realized that I had a team if I wanted to do something now was the time. And so I asked both of them independently what they wanted to do next. And they both were like, I mean, coming out of, you know, post COVID um, lockdown, et cetera. 
and both of them having the ability to travel around prior to lockdown. And all of a sudden, I think perspectives change um, when you go through, you know, what we had just gone through. And and I said, whatever you, I told them both, whatever you want to do, um, you know, I'd love to do something with you both. And an art platform, an, a, a digital art platform was, you know, the thing uh, that we thought we could do something really cool. But, you know, with my corporate, you know, enterprise brain, um, I really wanted to do like a, um, I really wanted to do a, a piece where all artists get paid um, and, and work together to build multiple pieces or one piece. And, um, through talking to many different people, I realized how challenging that was. And in order for me to fund that, because I'm, I'm funding it, um, I needed to first have build, build something where people take interest and then we can do like the, the very, really interesting niche um, collaborations with the different artists. And what I really thought would be cool is building a collective and and storing yeah. those NFTs um, in, in a vault, like a time capsule. And, and that's where I kind of like started with Eleonora and, and Lewis. And my trust from a technical perspective goes to Lewis um, for building out the platform, the smart contracts and understanding really the, the blockchain piece of the platform. And my other half of my brain is going to Eleonora to know the art world um, backwards and forwards and especially the NFT world. And so by me supporting them in doing what they do best, um, it, it, it would only be like a perfect storm, you know? So, uh, yeah. So I think when I first initially spoke with Lewis and Eleonora, and came up with the idea of a collective. I think that was cool. And then it just evolved from there. It, would, would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there were, kind of, especially in the initial phase of like you know, starting a, a venture a project, there's like a lot of different, like really cool ideas. And then a process of kind of like whittling them down or like sequentializing them. Right. So like, okay, well, what's, if we want to do like all this stuff, what's the first, you know, component to do and like the next one. Um, so, and like, how do they tie into each other and how does it like, you know, build something, you know, greater than the sum of its parts? Yes. So Kelly, when are all these parts coming together and when is mint gold dust going to be live? Yeah. Um, I think that when we get it right, um, a lot of people are asking right now um, that exact question. And I, I keep saying you're, you catch the bus when you catch the bus. Um, and, and that might not be the perfect answer for everybody. Um, but I want to make sure our code is right. I want to make sure that we um, are respectful to the artists and the, and the collectors. But I also want to stay true to ourselves and and make sure that we're building something that is beautiful and and also easy to use. We're really working towards um, 
building it the best way possible, as quickly as possible, but with really the artists in mind and the collectors in mind. I want to add that this has been fun to build the platform. Nobody is saying that. When Louis talked about the 1155, it's because we spend our days we, you know, the members of the team and even myself, like, you know, we should provide more ways to tell the art pieces. I want to do this and that. I've heard, I know these artists told me that and the collectors told me this other thing. Like, what can we do? And then, uh, you know, like the coders come in with real solutions. This has been, uh, this is cool, you know, like to transform ideas into um, reality. And sometimes it's not possible, which is fine. Uh, you know, cause we, we all, we all need people stopping us from, uh, thinking too much, but really like the spirit behind this, I have been loving this. I keep telling, uh, Kelly that I like this, A, because so many people who have been involved in the blockchain space from the beginning are participating in this project. And this is a, a plus. Uh, and maybe Kelly should even tell us about the the meaning of the name, which is also, you know, another beautiful story, Mingle Dust, why it's called that. We have been asking artists what gold dust means to them. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I think, uh, thank you, Eleonora. Um, the little, the, the big things that, that are the little things that I forget, but really are meaningful and for a while, I'd tried to come up with a, a name. Um, I had been to different auctions, and uh, one time I was at an auction, there was bags that, like hemp or some type of cotton bags that were very, very expensive, and I couldn't figure out why. And I found out those were bags that transported uh, gold at one point, and they were heavy, and so uh, they were full of little particles of, of gold but from the gold that had been transported in there before. And, but anyway, time passed and I'm trying to figure out this name. And, and I always think that if we don't leave our mark, um, we just are forgotten really. And um, some artists, they create things and they're not the, you know, the Picassos of the world. They're, you know, beautiful artists in their own right, but leaving, uh, their name and their pieces that aren't destroyed. Um, my grandfather, a lot of my pa- my grandfather's paintings were burned, um, and he was a beautiful artist, an amazing artist. And um, he used to paint in the French Quarter, and then he went to Korea and painted hand hand painted signs because that's the only thing he could do. <laughs> he didn't want to carry a gun around um, and 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 um, participate. But he was he was sent to Korea, and anyway, he came back and he tried to continue to do his art. And um, uh, there's only a few paintings left of his uh, because he didn't have the the funds to be able to continue as a as an artist and support his family. And so a lot of artists make that decision, and they have to support their family. They make the decision to, to go and work in a corporate setting or something like that. Um, and don't focus on their art and their beautiful gifts. Um, and so one morning I woke up trying to figure out, you know, what the name would be. And it just came to me, mint your, your gold dust, what is left behind when you're gone. And, 
um, that's how the name came about. And, and I, you know, the song dust in the wind and, and we're all just dust in the wind and eventually that's it. But if you mint your pieces, you're making a mark on this, on this world. And so that's what I'm encouraging artists to do is make their mark. And collectors also make their mark. They, they show what they find beautiful and interesting and, and I think that's also very valuable and, and what how and being out there and showing their support for these artists means something. Um, and it's so valuable that they get involved. But the artists being able to mint their work and have an income and to produce pieces that everybody gets to to share with and enjoy, I think that's really, really important. So that's how the name came about. And um and I hope that that encourages artists to come and work with Mint Gold Dust and, and share their work and talk about their work and what they create and, and what they collect also. You can find more updates on the launch of Mint Gold Dust at mintgolddust.com. Thank you for coming in for this first episode of the Mint Gold Dust podcast, and we will catch you on the next one.